I'm Josh, and my mission is simple. I teach tens of thousands of home service business owners like you how to grow a profitable seven-figure business. Every week, I deliver mind bombs and systems designed to help you gain mastery over marketing, admin, production, and sales inside your company. Each week, I'll open up the vault so you can finally take hold of the life and business you deserve. There is only one thing between where you are today and where you want to be, and that is the growth you're willing to endure. You're in the right place. Welcome to the Growth Vault. Hey, my friend. Welcome to the Growth Vault podcast. You are in the right place. Today, we're going to talk about the top 10 traits of seven-figure business owners, but even more specifically, these are business owners who get to seven-plus figures quickly. You know, there's there's a difference between having a family company for 25 years and it's a nice, healthy, good-sized company uh, and contrasting that against someone who starts a new company, um, kind of coming with no knowledge to the table, and they figure things out and build a big business quickly, like five years, six years, or, or less than that. I've seen it done in two years. I've seen it done in one year, but those are experienced uh, ninjas with <laughs> unique circumstances. So to help you collapse time on your journey, assuming you want to build an automated turnkey ATM machine type of business, and by the way, no seven-figure business is perfect, and you can never totally not pay attention to it, uh, but I will say it's a lot easier when you have a leadership team around you and a ton of employees um, t- to run the company. It's so hard when you're an owner operator or you have a small team, maybe you're in the three, four, five hundred thousand dollar a year range. It's just so hard. You have uh, so many things, so many fires you're putting out and I know you wanna get there quickly. So let's dive into it. What are the top 10 traits of seven figure business owners that do it quickly? The first one is, drum roll, They're sales and marketing focused. Oh, I know you're shocked because I talk about marketing all the time, but that was the first thing on my list. These people are measuring and focused on marketing and sales and not just like marketing, like do a Facebook ad, but they're always thinking, what's my hook? What's my offer? What can I do to make a ruckus? What can I do to get in front of new people? How is my timing? How is my targeting? How is the the design? They're studying copywriting. They're learning how to stand out and make offers and convert those offers through package selling and using uh, the correct language and they're rehearsing how to overcome objections and they're building into their sales scripts how to overcome objections before the client even says the objection to preemptively overcome the objection and they're training their staff on this and they have a very sales-centric culture. They also encourage their team to sell. Now, I don't think that to be successful, you have to force your technicians to become used car salesmen, but I do have to admit the companies that do it quickly, they have a sales culture, not a cheesy, like dishonest, chest hair poking out, gold chain used car salesman culture, but they have some training in place to identify uh, other opportunities when they're on the job site, to document it, and to follow up relentlessly and to overcome objections and things like that. So they're very, very sales and marketing focused. The second thing that I noticed uh, about these seven-figure owners that do things quickly is they love their team. They don't tolerate their team. Their general attitude is very contribution focused. 
They don't talk that much about uh, the things they're going to buy and how much money they're going to make. That's not where their head is at. They're trying to build up people. They're trying to create an organization and build leaders around them. Their heart breaks when their employee is going through something. You know, they're generous with their time and listening and they're compassionate. They have empathy. They're not a doormat. They're the opposite of a doormat, but they're very empathetic. They listen and they care about their team. And if this sounds cheesy to you or you have an an attitude that's just kind of tolerating your employees or you have a negative view towards kind of the job market in general, like you say things like, oh, there's no good people out there. If you're saying things like this and thinking things like this, it's a huge threat to your ability to be successful really in any business, especially home service businesses, because it's such a high touch human business. You know, it's one thing to sell a product on the internet or have an Amazon store, but when you're going into people's homes or on their properties, there's so many high touch points. You got to have good people around you. You have to attract great people. You have to learn how to recruit and you got to learn how to care for people. You know, you're stewarding these relationships. You're responsible for people. It's a big responsibility and the ones that are doing the best genuinely love and care for their team. The third thing on our list is communication stamina. This is a big one. Um, Tell me if you can relate with this. You decide to implement a new system (laughs) and you're like, okay, nobody is, uh, you know, cleaning out their truck at the end of the day. And so you get super mad and you're like, all right, we're having a team meeting. You bring your team. You're like, you have to clean out your truck or you're fired. And then, you know, everybody cleans out their truck and then a week goes by and then two weeks go by and then all of a sudden they're not cleaning out their truck anymore. And you're mad again, but you don't actually fire them because you can't, you need them and you don't really recruit year round. And so your business is too dependent on the people you have anyway. And so you're kind of trapped. And then there's this cycle of you try to implement a system, they sort of do it and they stop doing it. Another good example is like five rounds. You'll tell your crews, you got to do five rounds and they do it for like a day (laughs) and then they stop. And then, so like nothing you try to implement seems to work. And one of the reasons that that happens is because you as the leader are doing very poorly with at least what I call communication stamina. You have to relentlessly over and over communicate. Communicate doesn't mean nag. It means clearly communicate to your team that, you know, here's a new system. Here's the protocol. Here's the SOP. Here's the process. Uh, It has to be done. No exceptions, no excuses, but you're also going farther than that. You're explaining why it has to be done. You're helping your team understand like all the different departments of the business. You help them understand how, you know, when you're doing the financial stuff, it's all messed up when you don't have these numbers or this metric. You under, you help them understand how the office manager has an extra burden on their plate if they're not following, you know, a particular system. You help them understand, you know, the cost and the, and the profit that's lost if they're doing A, B, or C inefficiently and how that affects them. You know, Brandon Vaughn, my business partner, um, taught all of his employees how to read a P&L, a profit and loss statement. What a tremendously genius thing to do. You know, I used to sit down with my team on a regular basis with a big whiteboard and explain why I needed to focus on growing the business and they needed to focus on serving our customers at a high level and how by doing that, it created so much more opportunity for them. The other thing with communication stamina is that it shows your team that you're serious and that you're going to follow through with stuff. So when you implement a system, it's not as simple as just announcing it like a dictator. 
it goes deeper than that, and it has to cover a longer period of time than that. Um, if you get in the habit of having good communication stamina, the systems that you implement will stick. They'll be more effective. The people will rally behind you. And of course, if you have a couple you know, bad apples in the bunch, they'll be exposed and you can remove them. The fourth thing um, I want to talk about is they have a tendency to ask who, not how. Gosh, you're probably driving when you're listening to this, but if you can write it down, this is a powerful one. Ask who, not how. Really small business owners try to do everything themselves. They try to become an SEO expert. <laughs> like they sign up for a course on how to do Facebook ads and use a power editor or whatever the ad thing is called in Facebook these days. And they're logging into their business manager account and they're like figuring it out and watching courses. They're trying to become a graphic designer and learn Photoshop. They're trying to do everything on their own. And essentially what it does, because they're trying to save a few dollars, is two things. Number one is it greatly lengthens the amount of time it's going to take for you to achieve success, even if you get there in the first, at all in the first place. And number two, it produces a worse product, right? You're not going to be as good as an expert at any of those, you know, things that I said. And this applies for a lot of things. But when you try to do it yourself, you're tra- changing your own brake pads, you're changing your own oil, when you're constantly tripping over dollars trying to save pennies, it slows everything down. It's a nightmare and you can't be successful quickly. You need to have the right team around you. You need to have relationships with really competent attorneys, tax professionals, accountants. You need to have designers. You need to have your, your web people, your marketing people. And you don't have to spend you know, a bajillion dollars and get in debt on it, but you need to start developing the muscle of asking who, not how. So when there's a problem in your business, say, who do I know? They can solve this problem, not how do I solve it? What do I need to learn to solve it? You need to just find someone that's already an expert. This is a big one. This is a big one. And I know, I know, I look, I'm looking at you, you right there. I see you. You're trying to do it all on your own. And what you don't realize is that by saving a thousand bucks in design fees, you're adding, you know, six months to the timeline of your own success. Plus your design sucks compared to the professional design. (laughs) Okay, number five, they give credit and they build other people up. This is another big one. All 10 of these are just awesome. They're not in a particular order. So don't think you already heard the good stuff. There's some amazing ones coming. But they give credit and they build other people up. They're not trying to shine the spotlight on themselves so that they look like a genius and get all this credit, like they're some magical unicorn. They're doing the exact opposite of that. They're celebrating not just with their team, but they're publicly giving credit to their team. They're constantly trying to shed the appreciation that's coming towards them and deflect it onto the people around them, not just for their employees. They give credit to their mentors. They give credit to the books that they've read. They, they don't read something in a book and then present it as if they're a genius that invented some cool concept that really they just read, but, but their ego is so fragile that they need to pretend that they're a genius. These people that are successful are just constantly showering appreciation on the people around them. They give credit where credit is due. And having a mindset like that changes kind of your whole outlook with your employees. You'll start to notice things differently. A lot of times business owners take for granted little things that employees do that really are remarkable and need to be commented on. You know, people don't just show up to work for you for a paycheck. There's more emotion involved in that. You know, have you ever heard the phrase that people don't quit jobs, they quit bosses, right? 
Well, do you think that the bosses that all these people are quitting, do you think that they're aware of it? Do you think that like the average manager at some business is aware that they suck and everyone hates them and that's why everyone quits all the time? No. They think there's no good employees in this world. The market's really tough, you know, et cetera, et cetera, because they're so inward focused. They're trying to make themselves look good all the time instead of opening their eyes to all the little things people are doing that need to be massaged and, and applauded, which will then produce even more good things. And those need to be applauded, which produces even more good things. So open your eyes, be more contribution focused and give credit and build other people up. <sighs> okay, so now we're to number six. They network. They're master networkers. This comes natural to some people. And other people, it's more strategic. It takes planning, and they have to step outside their comfort zone. But in all cases, the people that are blowing businesses up quickly, they know a lot of people. They put themselves out there. They know realtors and the president of the Chamber of Commerce, and they know the mayor of their town, and they know the football coaches, and they volunteer at the school, and they, they just know people. They're out there. They're excited about their business. They're not trying to get money. They're just trying to build their network. And that is a huge thing. Property managers and presidents of homeowners associations, you don't have to try to get money. You just have to be a person of value that has authentic relationships with lots of other people of value. And that is a common thread with people that do this quickly. Number seven, they have mentors. They have mentors. Maybe you need a mentor. Maybe you're totally aware that you need a mentor, but you're holding back. Maybe because you're scared that you're not ready yet. Maybe because you're a cheapskate. You don't want to invest in your own future. Maybe because you don't, you, don't, you don't even know how to go about the process. You know, one common question I see on the internet is, how do I find a mentor? And the problem with that question is very simple. Let's say that there's someone in your hometown who is, has already achieved what it is that you want to achieve. A lot of times when people say, how do you find a good mentor, or I'm having a hard time finding a mentor, the reason they're having a hard time is because, again, they're totally self-centric in their, in their view. They're frustrated and they're saying, why can't I get someone who's highly accomplished, who has all the knowledge that I, that I need, why won't they just give me an unlimited amount of time and, to, and tell me all of their secrets you know, in perpetuity with no guardrails on it. And what, why? Why won't they do that, right? And that's just a selfish way to be. In general, people who are successful at anything are really generous with their time most, of the, most cases, right? But there's one thing that people like me and other people that are mentors, we, we hate is people that think they're entitled to information, coaching, or mentorship. Those are the people I run from. People that aren't willing to value the information that we can give them. So if you want to be successful quicker, if you want to collapse time, yes, you need to get a mentor. And you need to be willing, not just about money, but if there's someone locally to you that you know you can reach out, you need to add value to them. You need to lead with value. Whatever. So if you're a plumber, you need to go like do their plumbing for free and say, hey, can we have a lunch? I want to pick your brain. But you're leading with value right? You're giving first. And a lot of the times, if you're that kind of person that has that kind of attitude, the person you're doing it to will say, hey, don't worry about doing it for free. I'd be happy to help you, right? But you got to lead with value. You got to get a mentor. Okay. Number eight, they're very clear about their goals. 
about the mountaintop, about their why. They know where they're going, why they're going there. They know when they want to get there. They have all the details of their itinerary, their journey, their, their, the, the, the journey of their business, right? Your business is like a vehicle that you're driving from point A to point B. Well, most people, they don't even have a point B. Imagine getting in your car and just taking off driving and stopping to get gas every 400 miles and just continuing to drive. And then imagine doing that for 15 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but that's what people do with their small businesses. How in the world don't you have a destination? How can you be successful if you don't know what success looks like? How are you going to know it when you see it, right? You have to have a goal. Now, if you struggle with a really big long-term goal, I'll give you a tip. Bring it back. If you don't know what your life purpose is, your mission, you know, if you don't know what you want people to be reading, you know, for your like eulogy speech when you're in the ground and they're telling the world about how great you were, if you're not sure on like the big epic kind of mission overarching your whole life, that's okay. Most people are not clear on that. Bring it back to 12 months. What do you want to be true about your business and your bank account and your, your relationships and your, your health? What do you want to be true 12 months from now? If you're having a hard time figuring that out, bring it back even closer. What do you want to be true about your business and your bank account 90 days from now? And you can keep doing that. Bring it back to 30 days. Bring it back to seven days. And if you're in a really hard spot and you're having a hard time, bring it back to one day. What do you want your business and your bank account to look like tomorrow? What do you want your relationships to look like tomorrow? When I'm talking to a really successful person and I ask them, where are we going? What are we doing? What's your big audacious goal? They always have an answer. Here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what I'm trying to do it by. Here's what's going to be required. Here are the, here are the mountains I have to climb, the obstacles I have to overcome. But they're super clear on what they're doing and why they're doing it. Number nine. This, this one's going to sting. It's giving you a pre-warning. They delay gratification. They're willing to get the dopamine hit later <laughs> rather than right now. You've heard me on the podcast talk about the marshmallow experiment they, do, they did with kids. And what's funny about that experiment, I need to look up what the name of it is. I can't remember. But you can Google the marshmallow experiment and kind of check it out. I'm pretty sure they followed these kids over like 20 years, though. And basically, here's the, the long and short of it. They took like some young children and they sat a marshmallow in front of them. And they said, hey, you can eat the marshmallow, or if you don't eat it, I'll come back in like 10 minutes, and if you didn't eat it, then I'll give you another marshmallow. So you can totally eat it. Like, it doesn't matter if you eat it. You're allowed to eat it. Go ahead and eat it if you want to. But if you don't eat it, you get another marshmallow. You just got to wait until I come back. Then they would leave the room, and they had like hidden cameras on the kids, and the majority of the kids ate the marshmallow. They couldn't resist. You should look at the videos, like the kids' faces, like the pain on their face. They're sitting there in this room by themselves at a table, sitting on a, ch a chair. They're looking at the marshmallow and they're like, oh my God, I have to put this in my mouth. I have to taste the amazingness of this marshmallow. And they eat the marshmallow. But what's interesting is, you know, duh, what they found is that the kids that would delay gratification were way more successful in the long run. The same is true with business owners. If you've had a really hard life, especially financially, uh, it can be a struggle to not spend your money when you get money. It, it can be a struggle. I get that you want a new truck, you want a new car, you want to be fancy pants, 
but it is the wrong choice if you want to build a big business really quickly. It's completely the antithesis of what's required to scale a business fast. You have to delay gratification, no bass boats, no jet skis, no hot tubs. Just push, put a pin in that, keep reinvesting, keep scaling, keep building other people up. All the stuff I've been talking about so far, you have to delay it and delay it and delay it and delay it. And the benefit at the end of that is a massive gigantic, life-changing reward and a big, beautiful, sellable company that is like an ATM machine. You can have that. There are a lot of people more dumb than you that already have that. But if you can't delay gratification, it's very hard. I work with people and they're taking $100,000 a year out of their business that does $300,000 in revenue. They got some debt, they got a couple employees, and they can't figure it out, and they can't scale. Well, they can't scale because there's no resources in the business. They're sucking all the life out of their business, and it stops their ability to scale. Okay, I'll get off my horse on that one. And then last but not least, they know their numbers. They don't just kind of know their numbers. They really, really, really know their numbers. In fact, they progressively, at a rapid pace, know Uh, more numbers as they're scaling up quickly through the process, right? But even from the beginning, they're focused on sales goals, measuring their, their base, their goal, the gap. They're reverse engineering that gap down to the week, down to the day. They have targets. They have whiteboards. They have scribble pads maybe in the beginning. They know what their man hour is and their crew hour is. They know what their cogs are, cost of goods sold. They know what their gross margin is versus their net margin. They know all the things, their CBR, the callback rate. They're tracking productivity per crew. They're doing, and a lot more than that, they're doing all those things and they're having fun doing it because they make data-driven decisions and they're constantly hypersensitive and aware of all the important metrics inside their business. Hey, I know that was a lot. It was like a 20-minute rant. But if you need to listen to this episode again and go back through and write down all 10, I will give you a recap right now if you want to get a pen and paper. These are secret weapons to you. And every single one of you is capable of focusing on these things. And why don't you do a self-assessment? I'll read the list of 10 again and figure out how many of these are true about you right now and which ones do you need to focus on. I think it could be life-changing for you. I really, really do. So here we go. Number one in no order of importance. Sales and marketing focused. Number two, they love their team. They love their team. Number three, they have communication stamina. Number four, they ask who, not how. Number five, they give credit and build other people up, not taking the spotlight and shining it on themselves. Number six, they network like maniacs. They value relationships and they actively and proactively seek out important relationships. Number seven, they have mentors. Number eight, they're clear about their goals and why those goals are important. Number nine, they delay gratification, marshmallow experiment. And number 10, they know their numbers. Hey, I want the very best for you and your family. I want you to succeed and not struggle. I want you to overcome, not be overwhelmed. <laughs> I really, really do. In the last six years, if I've been, as I've been helping people, it's amazing and remarkable and astounding to me the results that so many people have gotten. It's unbelievable. The opportunity is so large. 
It's so big and so many people because of the information that's out there, the education that's out there, podcasts, not just this one, but there's just, there's so many resources and the people that believe it and take action on it and delay gratification for a little bit and go after it, they're getting extraordinary, crazy results. And I want that for you. So if you need some encouragement, um, keep listening to this show. If you have specific questions, ask them to me and to other people just like you. Just go to the Growth Vault Facebook group. It's a free Facebook group. There's several thousand business owners just like you that listen to shows like this. We're your people. Like we get you. It's okay. It's a safe place. Go ask questions and you'll get some really good feedback from some really smart people. I appreciate all of you. Take care and God bless. If you're ready to go even deeper, go to Facebook and search for The Growth Vault. It's a free community with thousands of other business owners just like you. I'll see you next time on The Growth Vault.